0: Welcome to another episode of Keeping It Rail. While you listen to this podcast and think about the topics we'll explore, remember that the areas you're moving into are always most important. Always prepare for what you're about to do and always know what's happening while you're doing it. That's how you move to protect others and yourself. Now from headquarters, here's our host, Jason Francis.
1: Welcome to another episode of Keeping It Rail. Who do we got with us today, Travis? Today we have Gino Francis, leader of our L&D
0: here at Rail Transport. Hey, I know that last name. Sounds familiar. Fellow uh, Francis. Sounds
1: familiar. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great last name. Yeah.
0: <laughs> could be some relation.
1: I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah never know. Have to dig never. into it. You never guys have Never can tell. We'll have to dig into that.
0: You guys will have to get the 23andMe and do your spitting in the thing, send it in, and see what's going on. Right yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You could do that on air. Yeah. I don't know about all that, Travis. Results said. on air. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I'm scared, man. All that government, all that government stuff, you know. I don't yeah. want to I don't want to I don't yeah. want to register. I already did it. I <laughs> figure they already got it anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, they already got it. There's nothing to worry about. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not going to volunteer. <laughs> so, how you doing, Gino? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Good. Doing good. Good. good, good. So, tell us, what do you do here at Rail? Well, I'm. uh, What is what is L and D? Yeah, L and D. It's uh, learning and development. Um,
2: We do uh, we do some training. We uh, we like to uh, annoy people with things you know that they don't necessarily want to do and and uh, try to educate them on things. No, I'm just kidding. But after
0: they do it, they're like. I'm glad I did
2: it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when you got guys like Travis, you know, working with him and all the cool stuff he does, I mean, my gosh, you know, it's a win-win situation for all these people. You know, they get to watch his videos and, you know, eat popcorn while they're doing that. So, yeah, it's good.
0: I'm trying to get a movie theater uh, installed at our terminals. I'm I'm all for for it. it.
2: All for it. That'd be great. Yeah. Absolutely, we'll put that in our budget for 2025. See how that shakes. Or 2026,
0: out. yeah, there you are, right? sometime soon. Yeah. And not just me, but we've got a great team, L and D, that you know manages the LMS and uh, whatever else you know
1: that we do.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. So you're
1: good. the you're the guy responsible for all those training videos.
2: Well, I, I wouldn't say that I'm responsible. Um, I would say that uh, there's a reason why I kind of hang out in the weeds and just, you know, just kind of let them do, you know, do what they do. But no, we I what I'm responsible for ultimately is just, um, you know, making sure that people like Travis and, and Ashley and Stacy and Jessica that are on our learning development team have all the resources and technology and they've got that space to really think through, you know, what our teammates need. And, and get that, uh, you know, get those learning opportunities to them. That's really what I do, and provide us
0: guidance if mm-hmm. we ever
2: come into any roadblocks or anything like that, or any needs. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, really, uh, in my role, it, it's just as Travis said, but it's it's creating that space for great thinkers, right? I mean, just for them to think through things and and to, to work with folks and and find out where their needs lie. And and to be quite honest with you, my job's really easy when you got a great team, right? And um, it's uh it's wonderful to watch them work and, and do the things they do for our for our organization. You know, I was a high school teacher for 21 years and and I still teach at the local technical college in Lacrosse and uh, you know, you you pick up quite a few things uh, you know in, in doing those uh, doing those jobs, so I try to bring some of that insight and knowledge to what we do here at Rail and, and with the L&D team. So,
1: how long have you been here at Rail? Uh, I've been here
2: what about a year and a half now? I guess not too long. Um, it uh, you know it's funny because a year and a half, as you both know, goes by so fast, and um, there's so many things that happen um, in that year and a half time, and and uh, it's all it's all really exciting. What's that? What's happening around here? Um, I never thought I'd work in transportation. I never would have guessed that in a million years, right? nor would I have ever thought prior to this, uh, this position I would have worked in manufacturing. Um, but what a, what a neat uh, neat industry. Um, it's so fast moving, it's so fast paced, and, and there are so many various needs where you know we in L&D and, and, and working with uh, various folks that, that we can help our drivers uh, to be successful on the road, it's, it's pretty cool. And it gives us a lot of stuff to research and dig into, and it's fun. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll give an example. Is when I'm driving down the interstate, I just, you know, took for granted a lot of things when when guys are driving those big rigs or gales and and uh, you know what what uh, all that entails. And there's a heck of a lot more that's involved that I know now that I never knew before.
1: I'll tell you this. I was driving those trucks since nineteen ninety or something like that. A long, long time. And I took it for granted too, so don't feel bad. <laughs> you know. I always I always said I always said a monkey could do my job, you know, while I was out there driving. I I didn't think much of it. Um, but I learned it a little bit as little bit at a time. Mm-hmm. Right back in the nineties when we were driving, we didn't even have cell phones, you know, so we were basically wild children out there on the loose or something. Right. <laughs> um, but as this technology grew and we, we got it a little bit at a time. So I didn't think much of it. I kind of took it for granted. Right. Now these guys are coming in and they've they're jumping into the deep end of the pool with all this technology, the co-pilot, the ELD, the the technology on the trucks, you know, sure it's, they're, they're learning it all at once. So these videos that you put together are, are very helpful. Good. When you watch those videos at the end, there's a place for comments. These guys actually read that when you put something in there. <laughs> so if, if a driver's out there and, and wants to comment on the video, you guys will actually read that and respond. I made a wise, Wise guy comment on the end of one of those, and Rob called me directly. I was out in the truck, and Rob called me directly, and he said, "Well, you didn't like this, you didn't like that. What can we do to make it better?" So, I mean, you guys are always working on yeah, that, and yeah. I appreciate and that. And that was
0: Gino's predecessor, Rob. Yes, yes. yeah,
2: yes. yeah, yeah. We it, it's funny because we, we were just talking about this in a meeting. Um, we were talking about the importance of getting that kind of feedback, and that's that's real raw. That's real. Um, feedback, you know, it's not just something that's you know asking a survey, one out of five stars, you know, click on it, but that's actual feedback coming from the source, and th- that's as powerful of feedback as you're going to get anywhere, right? Um, so a wisecrack or you know or just a, you know in- any sort of information is extremely helpful where we can make those adjustments and changes, you know, because hey, if we're putting stuff out there that people don't need, what use is it, right? Um, You know, we're always seeking for uh, the best opportunity to make their job just a little bit easier and be safer and, and all those kinds of things. So yeah. Yeah.
0: And we were talking about that earlier today. um, The end user and Mm -hmm. our goal is to help that end user. Optimize their performance right so they can make good money and be successful. Yeah,
2: it's got it's you know It's practicality too, right? I mean it's got to be practical and easily used, right? It's got to be understood Can't be something that's you know overly complex for any learner, you know, it's got to be something that's directly um, You know practical and usable um, in in what they do that's so important anything that we do in L&D otherwise it lacks usefulness and utility and and that's not what we're what we're about you know um we we're talking about canned stuff you know you can pull canned stuff off the shelf or pull it out of some you know video that's in, in a catalog and that doesn't necessarily do us any good either because it's not necessarily applicable to a, a rail driver or applicable to a rail role um and uh you know so the more we can customize and make things that are ours um the better they'll be absolutely
1: yeah so what are some of the new New things on the horizon. What is the latest, latest, and latest greatest. and greatest? Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, my goodness, where where do you start, right? You know, I'll just share this real quick. Is in 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 learning and development in any industry, um, any organization, it's it's nonstop. You know, it's just like anything. There's all kinds of new technology, new content, new ways of doing things, and really, in, in so many ways, it just comes down to the fact that it's people working with people and it's people listening to one another and collaborating and cooperating with one another. Um, and so some of the things that are on the rise, and I mean, we're looking at building some, uh, you know, some leadership development programs uh, within the org and, and you know, that, that requires each one of us to have a say um, and to, um, you know, have the ability to share their experiences as leaders, leaders here at Rail or leaders in, in prior jobs. and. And bring all of that and kind of mix it all together and come up with and land on what's going to be the best program for us here. Um, Again we could call up a vendor right now and say hey you know we got this amount of money we'd like to spend why don't you come in and implement this leadership program and have them come in and they don't know rail they don't know anything about our mission our values what we stand for. Um, So it's not nearly as um, is well done as us creating it internally. So that that's one big thing that that we're involved in right now. Super excited about it. Um, we've got lots of people um, that want it, have an appetite for it, and folks here that uh, you know, like a fleet manager that that leaves a that leads a fleet of drivers, um, FOMs that um, you know lead a a number of fleet managers. Um, you've got customer service folks who lead um, customer service representatives. You've got Um, All these various departments and functions within the organization that lead teams and then on top of that you got leaders of leaders you got leaders that um, also um, Take on the task of of assuring that their leaders are successful um, in leading their teams. So we're putting together a program that would help each one of those particular leaders um, To do their best job and to be the best version of themselves
1: So what else we got coming on the horizon?
2: Oh, we've got uh, we've got some learning initiatives coming up here, um, and uh, that's all um, already developed material on uh, a number of, of various topics. Um, you know, anything from from communication um, all the way down to other types of soft skills that include leadership skills. Um, you know, uh, we've got uh, um, elements of. Um, Deliberate practice, um, reinforcing what people do, and and you know, continually re- uh, engaging and re-engaging in some of that content, um, help it make it stick. Um, you know, some big things we also have um, are a customer service training um, that will be in person. Um, this is an extension of a larger customer service training that we did, where I think we sent 100 and oh, somewhere around 110, 112 people through Um, in in-person training and I was lucky enough to facilitate that along with uh, Ashley Kramer. Tons of fun, Um, we had a lot of fun, learned a lot. Um, um, It it was a a real good experience and so we've got that coming up here in February. And then we've got the six critical practices of leading a team as well. Um, We've got 20, I believe 22 participants right now that are enrolled in that and we've hired Franklin Covey um, which is an outside vendor to come in and, and help us with some of that. And six critical practices are, are what I would consider to be um, very common practices that are known for leaders to lead their teams, help them, help them in that journey.
1: So were you instrumental in the whole coaching certification class they put together last year?
2: Um, I would say that um, my role in that was to evaluate the program, um, kind of see where it was at and how it was going. Um, gather feedback from those that participated in it and how it was impacting uh, especially our new fleet managers. Um, and I'm happy to report at this particular time that it's, it's going extremely well. Um, we've gotten some real good feedback from um, from the FOMs and uh, as well some of our newer fleet managers and you know, our hope and desire is that, uh, whether you're coaching a safety event or coaching any sort of, um, situation from a driver's pers- perspective that, you know, we're helping them out. Um, we're making their job just that little bit easier.
1: Cool. I went through that. I, had been here for a couple of years already, but I went through that as well cause they just instituted this new training and, uh, it was it was very in depth, mm-hmm. for sure. It went on week after week, and little little pieces here, little pieces there. I got to admit, I learned a lot of stuff. Hopefully, Liz doesn't hear that because I hate to admit that. But. <laughs> You're gonna find a bunch of courses assigned to you. I know, I know, I know,
2: I <laughs> you know. Well, I think when they when they submit the, um, you know, when the fleet manager submits a, a reactive and proactive call. You know, and they go through that whole coaching process and they use the coaching planner to help with that. You know, I I participated as a student, you could say, as almost as as a fleet manager without having any knowledge of ever, you know, managing a group of drivers or anything. And I was flabbergasted. I'm like this, to your point, it is really in-depth and you get into things that I guess, you know, one wouldn't necessarily think of new on the job. Um, so it gives them a good foundation and a plan or a guide, you know, to, to kind of follow. Um, so without being in the job, but kind of having an understanding of what the job entails, I thought, man, this is a super good, uh, um, you know, it's a it's a really good program for our, for our fleet, uh, fleet managers. Um,
1: well, I'm here to give you props. It was a really good course. Awesome.
2: Yeah. So I really had no involvement in its development. I literally came in and just participated and evaluated and said this thing is freaking awesome so yeah
1: it is really good yeah are there any new learning and development things coming out for the drivers specifically mostly what we've talked about today is for the in-office personnel and stuff
2: yeah i think um um, you know there's always the the compliance and the regulatory kinds of things that are out there um i know travis has been working on a a lot of things uh, with the odd and and um you know What's, what's the odd it's a uh, driver development. Yep. Orientation, orientation, and, driver orientation development. and driver development. Just yeah. want to make that yeah. clear for oh, everybody yeah. listening. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sorry <laughs> listeners. I, sh- I should be the last one using acronyms,
0: right? You so know, basically, it's driver <laughs> education. Yeah. Uh, and then there's driver support education.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. Any, anytime we use acronyms like that, I always call it out just so that everybody listening knows. Because not everybody listening is a truck driver. Right. We have people listening from what? 25 countries, you said? All over. I know, it's crazy when you gave me the stats. Um, but, yeah, we have a lot of other people listening. It's um, it's helped with recruitment and everything else. You know, I've had several. I, I work with all new drivers, and I have had several drivers come in, and I ask them why they came to rail. And they go, oh, because I heard your podcast, you know, that kind of thing. Hey, so it's kind of cool. So yeah. I like to break it down whenever we can. So back, was, to, back to the driver development thing there. I was at
2: a place uh, – Oh, probably two weeks ago and they had this um, they had this jar and on the jar it read if you use an acronym during a meeting, you must put a dollar in this jar (laughs) to deter people from using acronyms because, right, I mean, when you're in it, you just use them because that's, you know, people understand that common language. Mm -hmm. But to your point, people across the world or wherever are listening to this may not have any idea what those acronyms mean. And there are times where I'm having a conversation with somebody, you know, here at REL that uses an acronym, and I say, stop. You need to first tell me what the acronym is, and then oftentimes I'll ask, what does that acronym mean, you know? Mm-hmm. So, well, there's yeah. still
0: a few that I'll be like, I'll question. And I've heard it before even. It's just I don't hear it much. So yeah. it's like, remind me what that is. Right, right. Like LUMPER.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Not an acronym, but right. the term LUMPER. Yeah, there's <laughs> a term LUMPER. <laughs> well, when I first came, they gave me this, uh, I, I called it the encyclopedia. And it was an encyclopedia or just a, a whole list of acronyms. And I'll never forget that in one of the trainings I had for onboarding was get to know these acronyms. And I thought, there's no way I'm going to well, I'll be darn. I've been here a year and a half, and I probably know now a vast majority of those on that sheet that they gave me. So,
1: yeah. Some of them are pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, they are. That's and good. lumper is when you have someone –
0: unload your trailer just yep. for everybody listening yeah
2: but
1: we're Francis's, so
2: even self-explanatory doesn't necessarily know we that we know what they mean he may have a plane
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah back to uh orientation training driver training education however you want to call it uh yeah i've been doing some backing videos some turning videos some roundabout videos some one-on-one basic foundational learning materials
1: for orientation driver development and then just out of curiosity have you been out there with your drone oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. i heard he was gonna do that and i was like i want to be out there but yeah, i missed absolutely. it apparently
2: you <laughs> gotta get, i mean you gotta drive that thing as much as you can right that's fun oh yeah. it's fun moving that thing around <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> yeah and then uh you mm-hmm. know projects for safety for our driver support people and drivers mm-hmm. you know the proof of delivery mm-hmm. which is uh, incredibly important
2: you know proves we did the work yeah so. it does it really does. You know, we've we've also got on the horizon, uh, um, in in the world of safety, um, some fatigue management um, program that we're working on now. I'm actually taking a, a number of courses um, through the North American Fatigue Management Program Group, um, which is uh, it's a fairly intense uh, program, but um, the the purpose behind it is to help to build a fatigue management program here at Rail um, to help identify when you know fatigue sets in and. And, uh, you know some of the root causes uh, for it so we're open through that program that we'll be able to um, do some evaluation and really instill some some um, programmatic stuff that will help our drivers as well and, and our F, our FMs to identify when fatigue sets in for for our drivers so we're at the really at the front end of that we're just kind of kicking it off. Um, but that's pretty exciting. I think that uh, we can add that to um, you know to our already established safety program.
1: Well, that would be good because that's a big issue. We've always been aware of fatigue
0: and we've always helped our drivers understand, you know to uh, not drive if they're fatigued or they mm-hmm. don't feel good or the weather's bad, stuff like that, and then let us know, communicate it. Now we're just going, Deeper into it out huh? yeah
2: yeah I mean in our driver education group from from what I've learned is that there is a piece in there um, so that when a new driver comes uh, comes to rail they do um, receive some education and some you know some strong um, you know, reinforcement of the fact that this is what you need to be aware of and, and you know, schedule changes and things like that. But I think a, a, a more formalized program like this really brings the entire organization um, to get involved and to really talk about it uh, in a much broader sense than just maybe in, you know, a driver, uh, driver development or driver education. And that's the piece that I'm learning most about is that the more people that you get involved in every facet of the organization, the more discussion and talk there will be about, about fatigue and its importance. And quite honestly, the other piece that I'm learning is it's not necessarily just for drivers either. It's for any of us, you know, to recognize how fatigue can have an influence on somebody from a decision-making um, standpoint to, you know, to their uh, emotions and how they carry themselves at work and, and at home as well. So, yeah, pretty interesting.
1: I'm feeling a little fatigued right now. I think I need a nap. Yeah. <laughs> hey,
2: you know, honestly, it's like being in kindergarten. I mean, I don't know why organizations haven't done this more. I mean, nap time and, and, and milk and cookies are extremely important. That was the best part about kindergarten, right? We should carry that on for the remainder of our lives, that we have nap time with cots and we have milk and cookies. Or pods or something cool.
0: You some, know. Yeah, or something I like
1: that. Yeah. Massage pods. Yeah, massage I, pods I, would I,
0: be good too. Y'all nice. y'all, y'all,
1: I, I, don't, I can't get on that train, man. <laughs> I'm not. A, I'm not an afternoon napper. I was just joking. Oh, I can't imagine. I can't imagine everybody taking a turn shutting down and going and sleeping on their cot. I just can't imagine that. It's just. It
2: would be weird, but it it would be kind of nice. Although in our in our office setting, it would be kind of weird here, especially, you know, um, because we all would be together sleeping in these
1: coffins. That would just be odd. <laughs> you don't need to do that
0: if you get good sleep at night. You just got to plan your yeah, day that's true. for 24
1: hours. That's true. Yep. That would just yep. be <laughs> odd. So let's circle back around and get to know you just a little bit. Um, yeah. You said you were a high school teacher? I was. I was. How yeah. long did you do that?
2: Um, I taught for for 20, I think it was 21, so you, 21 years. I want to say. So you say.
1: went to college and then mm-hmm. straight out of college, you went to a high school teacher. I did. Yeah, I
2: actually started out in middle school. I started teaching uh, seventh and eighth grade world history, um, <laughs> which uh, teaching world history to uh, you know to that age student was uh, was a challenge in itself. But
1: I suppose um, like herding cats.
2: Yeah, like. <laughs> Like herding cats,
1: exactly. You know, I was could, the oddball in that class. I'd stay after and say, "Can you tell me more about?" <laughs> yeah, right. Well, we we definitely we definitely had some of those as well. You know, I mean, very interested in you know
2: Egyptian pharaohs and whatnot. But, but yeah, no. I started uh, in middle school, and then uh, after about five years, I went to strictly high school and and uh, taught a number of elective courses, and it was all in social studies. So, primary course I taught was economics, which at the time was in our social studies curriculum. So, um, really enjoyed that. That was. Uh, um, that was a great course. So, and then coached. Uh, I was a football and baseball coach. Uh, I coached basketball for a little bit, but you know, five eight guy, uh, you know, probably doesn't necessarily uh, do real well at uh, basketball. I sure as heck didn't play it very well. So, I did best I could. Um, well, it's mostly mental, right? It is. Well, it is. It Just is because but you're tall don't mean you
0: yeah,
1: Mugsy
2: Bogues. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I was no Mugsy Bogues. I was no Mugsy Bogues. I it was Magic. Yeah, I was yeah, I yeah. was
1: recruited for the basketball team in like seventh or eighth grade, whatever, right? right. Because I was six foot tall mm-hmm. and and skinny, and I couldn't I couldn't hit the basket to save your life. So, yep, yep,
2: <laughs> yep. Well, when I became a basketball coach, is you know prior to that, I mean, I played horse and pig, and you know we played three on three, and there was you know there was no offensive sets or different ways, you know, to play defense or anything like that. So I didn't really have a lot of that knowledge. I had to pick that up as I went, and it wasn't for me. I did it for a short period of time and basically just help out the district because we needed somebody to coach, you know. I only
1: only played for like two seasons, I think, and and literally my only job was to get in the middle and grab the ball and give it to somebody who could actually shoot it. So I was taller than all the rest of the kids, so.
2: Oddly enough, when I was in eighth grade, I was the tallest kid on the middle school team because I was the same height I am now as I was in eighth grade. So that's all I did, too. I just rebounded and shot you know, back out to somebody who could actually shoot and make a basket. That was you my know? whole job.
1: Yeah. I think I think in the two seasons I played, I made one basket. I don't know. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, if, you, if you scored, you saw, oh, my
2: gosh, I got two. You know, I got two points. Hey, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So yep.
1: then – after the high school, you came here, or you...
2: so I. After I was done teaching, um, because that was such a major part of, of who I was and in what I did, as, as both a teacher and coach. I, I I oftentimes just use the analogy. I was I was kind of out at sea without a rudder. You know, I wasn't sure which way I wanted to go. I had lots of interests, um, but I wasn't sure what route to go. So, I actually um, became a financial advisor uh, for a short period of time, which kind of stemmed from what I had done as an economics, economics teacher and, yeah. and things like that. So tried that for a bit, and that was a little bit too much um, office time, sitting at the desk, um, too many phone calls. So I actually left that, and I thought, you know, I've got to get into something that is very, um, you could say, business oriented, where I can get into you know, what happens in the world of business. So I started uh, um, working at a marketing firm which gave me the opportunity to really learn about a lot of various small businesses and regional businesses by helping to build marketing campaigns, marketing and advertising campaigns. So um, I was a sales exec um, and I sold radio and um, I sold digital marketing um, campaigns. Radio airtime. Um, Yeah. Radio airtime, radio commercials. And and production and all that. All production and all that. Yep. All package was and that in so, the area here somewhere in lacrosse yeah yeah we that that particular place i was at had um five radio stations six radio stations actually two a.m and then uh, four fm stations so it was a big big radio um, place but you know the the digital arm was growing at the time and then COVID hit and when COVID hit that like many people gave me time to think and say you know is this really what i want to do Um, for the remainder of my career and and uh, I kind of always knew in the back of my mind it wasn't so during that time I I thought all right let's get back into where I really need to be and that's in some sort of learning and development teaching instruction facilitation and so I started seeking seeking out a job and I found something at uh, Cardinal Glass Industries um, which is uh, where I went after after I worked at the uh, radio station so and that's where my life of learning and development ultimately started outside of academia, outside of uh, you know teacher education. So, and then, rail. and then rail, and then I ended up here, ended up in rail. So, yeah, which I'm super happy I did. It's uh, um, I in so many ways I, I've said this numerous times. I'll say it again: is that one of the consistencies that I see is how when we just don't have values and we just don't have a mission that are written someplace on a website or posted on a wall, we actually live them and talk about them in everything that we do. And it's consistent no matter where you go in the organization. I can't honestly say that I've experienced that in the 27 years I've been working. So, um, and is that what you were looking for? I was. Maybe unknowingly, but knowingly. Yeah. yeah, I was looking for that consistency. You know, I was looking for that that idea that, um, you know, you didn't always feel like you were the only one or only few that felt that way. You know, it's um, it's something that's felt, uh, you know, by many. And, yeah, that's extremely important. I was also looking, honestly, Travis, I was looking for a place where I didn't have to wear a suit, <laughs> right? <laughs> I didn't have to wear a tie, and I didn't have to talk a certain way or, you know, I could be me, you know, and, and – um, I didn't feel like I had to put on a front or show for somebody. And, and when I was at that marketing firm, there were times where I felt like that and I, that I didn't like that at all. That didn't feel right. So I was looking for a place where I could be who I am as well. And I love the outdoors and people that I work with here. We talk deer hunting and we talk fishing and we talk hiking, you know, and all those things that we like to do outside of work. And.
0: Well, you might get Jason
1: going here. Yeah. 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 So I mean, uh, Pretty much all of that. Yep. <laughs> we were gonna we were gonna get around to that at some point here. <laughs> yeah. Um. Before we do, what was it that got you out of the
0: school? The, the schooling, the you know, the high school, middle school yeah. teaching.
2: Yeah. So you know, there it, it kind of built up um, over a pretty long period of time. Um, it it became tougher and tougher because it, there's so much of teaching to the test. Um, and, you know, specifically state standards and, and things like that really drove the creativity out of what the real reason why I got into teaching to begin with. So, you know, our inability to um, do things that kids really liked and they wanted to learn a certain way, we, we were we weren't we were allowed to do them but under some restrictions, you know, because we had to prepare them for a state standardized test or we had to at least prepare them so that for various reasons funding etc that based on test scores that you know that would look good for the district and so yeah once that started to happen and i started to feel it i was like this just isn't for isn't for me anymore it was very hard it was a, probably one of the more difficult decisions many I made years. in my life yeah jeez yeah,
1: i get the i get the uh, reluctance to teach to the test mm-hmm. right i get that but it seems like there's got to be some kind of evaluation i I, i've never given this a thought in my life so i don't know if i'm for or against standardized testing (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying it seems like there's got to be some way to evaluate Mm -hmm. what they're learning so i was like what is the alternative to that right you know right yeah yeah we could get really in depth in some
2: of that but you know it when i'll just use a real simple example is when you when you have a Um, state department of education that is creating standards that then flow down into a district or into social studies for example where I taught or what I taught then what it does is it says that students need to know these things but you have to hit on a whole bunch of them so when you have to hit on a whole bunch of them you can't really do um, a lot of activities and things that kids really like to do because you have to touch on all of those, right, And in order for them to fully get and be immersed in what is going to be on a test or the way they're going to be evaluated. So I oftentimes thought this is crazy. There's too many, you know, there's too many standards. And then on top of that, you've got core skills, you know, that, that you have to also include. And, you know, it, it, it just became very, very difficult to, to to te- you know you had to fire through a lot of things and sure. kids kids don't necessarily learn that way um in my from what i learned um so so it, yeah it it became fairly restrictive and you know i would say that uh, well, the red tape yeah a bit of red tape you know um but to your point you still do need to evaluate right you need to have some evaluative measures to determine whether a student is retained mm-hmm. and whether they can carry on um but there are a lot of different ways to do that outside of a state established um, or or whomever established uh, assessment or evaluation
1: yeah. i just like i said i never gave it a thought before in my life but there's got to be some way to evaluate it we can't just give everybody a participation trophy right. and say you you went to school yeah yeah did you learn anything you know right. we we need to evaluate it somehow yeah so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I never thought about that before. <laughs> so I, I will tell you though that they're, they are changing. You know,
2: I've got one, one of my, my daughters, a junior this year, and <clears throat> they're making some major changes, at least in the district she's in. And they're utilizing more what they would call formative and summative assessments, which enable students to and teachers to really be a little bit more creative and allow for students to be more collaborative and to utilize teamwork. And what I always believed is extremely important, which I'm seeing now, is, is more vocational skills, you know, preparing those kids for that next step after they leave high school. Because college isn't for everybody. You know, And to have those vocational skills, some of those just basic skills that they can leave with, are extremely important. We're seeing some of that now, which is good, which is really good. And you
0: know what a big one is and should be that is not is truck driver.
2: Yes, twenty one. Yeah. Yes, there.
0: what a great career for people mm-hmm. coming out of high school that that want to do something that doesn't require years and years of schooling. You know, oh, they can get their CDL absolutely. in a few weeks and then go train for a few more weeks and then they're
2: on it. Well, I mean, I think about 18-year-olds is, you know, when you're coming out, you don't, you, you're kind of free-spirited, right? And, you know, you hope that you're, there's a level of maturity, but you, you don't necessarily at that time, uh, most 18-year-olds don't have a family or they don't have things that, you know, would um, restrict their ability to just be free and time. to go do things, right? Perfect and, time. Yeah, it's a great, and you can you can earn some money. and you Go
0: to online school while you're driving you, on your yeah, off you, time. You make you sure could. you get good sleep and everything, obviously. You could. Yeah. And, you know, with the railway and with the way we train people, I mean, the argument of those eighteen to twenty-one year olds aren't mature enough, or
1: the, it's unsafe. I don't, I don't buy that.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know where to,
1: what to say about that. Well, I'm here to tell you, both of my both of my kids <laughs> were driving a truck when they were eighteen, nineteen. So, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we we evaluate people when you know Tim's group, and they mm. know like what to look for. So you know, I I just I wish we could eighteen and just be. Like everybody else. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I yeah, it's interesting. I, I you know I'd like to know why why it is at twenty one. I suppose there's a whole
0: well, the argument game is of uh, maturity. is an going in yeah. the military though, and, right? And then it comes down to training. You know, good training, and then the, evaluating the person.
1: You know, are they ready? Yeah. Some no, some yes. Yeah, some... yeah,
2: Yep, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Red so
1: tape. We're, so we're kind of running down on the time here. Mm-hmm. Let's get to know you a little more outside of rail. Yeah. What do you like to do? I know you mentioned hunting, camping and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So yeah. tell us a little bit more. You got a family? Yeah. Yeah.
2: I've been married for, oh, how long we've we been married now? 20, 24 years. Uh, I met, uh, my wife Lori at, uh, in college and, um, we have two wonderful kids. I've got, uh, um, a son who goes to the University of Minnesota right now. Um, and a daughter who's a junior at high school in Lacrosse Central. And, um, we like to do lots of different things as a family. We're we're river people. We're river rats. We live not too far from the Mississippi River, so um, you know every moment we get, we're we're on the boat and we're either fishing or skiing or tubing or just hanging out at a sandbar, um, enjoying what the river has to offer. Um, I myself, uh, I I love to hunt. Um, I deer hunt primarily. I love to bull hunt. That's uh, that's by far my favorite. Um, and uh, I enjoy ice fishing so this time of year finally have ice so we can get out and uh, enjoy that uh, it's my, my favorite um, form of fishing and um, we love to hike you know in lacrosse we've got incredible hiking trails and we've got a couple right off the end of our neighborhood that you can just walk down the road and and jump on and it's just absolutely gorgeous the wildlife and the hills and you know the bluffs and things like that so we're outdoors folks we like we much prefer to be outside doing something than you know be in the house um so yeah yeah that's a I mean, I'm right like there
1: that. i'm right there with you with the river rat thing yeah i bought a boat two years ago a big pontoon boat mm-hmm. and we're out on the water constantly yeah you also got the remote control boat with the fishing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Do you catch anything with that? Yes, yep. actually, yep, yep. it's
1: it's it's really fun. It's you've seen them, right? Mm-hmm, I have. My my dad got it for me for Christmas as a joke, right? And I, I showed it to my wife, and she said, "What? Are you kidding me?" I had to show her the videos, you know, the YouTube videos and stuff. <laughs> And uh, she's like, that can't really work. And uh, we took it out and we played with it. We caught some bluegills. It, it yeah. seemed to work fine. Uh, Those things will eat anything, man.
2: Oh, gosh, yes. It seemed Absolutely. to work fine. Absolutely. Oh, man, that's good. That's mm-hmm. good. And then you drove it, you drove the boat home and grabbed the fish. and Yeah. You know, or home, or back to your boat or dock or whatever. Yeah. You yeah, it's
1: awesome. You know, uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, we were, we were just playing with it. I mean, it's just kind of a joke. But yeah. It's it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I practically live on that boat now in the summer. It's it's ridiculous. Oh, it's great. I've done a lot of done a lot of hiking myself as well. Um, not so much recently, but the Superior Trail up in Minnesota is one I'm going to highly recommend if you're into the whole backpacking thing. Oh yeah, it's it's not far away. It starts in Duluth, goes all the way to the Canadian border, um, and it's easily accessible. Um, because it's really 10 to 12 miles from the highway at any given stretch, Mm. right? So you can do little sections of it and hop on and hop off. You don't have to do the whole 300 miles or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, so it's... Well, that's good. It's really good. (laughs) When he's got it down, he puts his motorcycle, drops his motorcycle off, Mm -hmm. and then and then i drive to the other end of the section i want to hike and then i hike back to the motorcycle yeah. and then you then you're good to go i got my own shuttle bike <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah yeah.
2: we also atv um I, you know I, I should mention that we we haven't done it nearly as much of that here of late um i don't know quite know why probably cuz we're on the boat too much you yeah, know it, could be but we I, we do love to so get out four wheelers or the UPV? yeah, yeah four wheelers no i like the old, i like being outside and being mm-hmm. on that thing and you know, rough ride and stuff like that, but yeah, we enjoy that. And actually, it's funny, my wife doesn't. So my daughter and I, now that my son's he's kind of moved out. Now my daughter and I go. You know, she yeah. loves it. So, um, yeah, it's fun.
1: I've been. I don't own one. I wish I did, but I have so many other hobbies and whatnot right. that I can't afford all that too. Yep. Yep. But yeah, I have a. I have a friend of mine that has one of those big UTVs. Mm -hmm. and a couple of ATVs, and I go with him once in a blue moon. We ride the trails down by uh, New Lisbon area there. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yep. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And I got to tell you, if you've never been in one of those UTVs, it's pretty nice. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It's a comfortable (laughs) ride, absolutely.
2: You know, the key to having your friend that's got the four-wheelers and the UTVs is that you don't have to store them. Nor do you have to work on them. Yeah. You can just jump in and go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm I'm a bit of a tinkerer, so, I mean, I'll jump right in there and help them. Yeah. I'll help them wrench on them, but, but you're right. I don't have to. Nope. <laughs> you don't have to.
2: You don't have to. Oh, man. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so you got anything else,
0: Travis? I don't think so. You want to ask him any questions? I do,
1: but I didn't come up with a brand new one yet so we'll have to recycle one if you could bring to life any imaginary character who would that be and why i mean and have a conversation with them you know whatever you Hanging know out for a day you yeah. know right around saint thomas you know yeah <laughs>
2: absolutely an imaginary character yeah
1: tv books movies yeah. whatever you know yeah
2: absolutely um i'd bring to uh I would probably bring the Wonder Twins. Who the heck is that? From the. <laughs> I'd bring the Wonder Twins, you know, because they can activate and turn into, you know, different things. Um, superhero from the Hall of Justice uh, for many, many years ago. Yeah, <laughs> Jason and I remember it because we grew is up watching animation? those cartoons. Yeah, yeah okay. It was animation. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Anytime yeah. somebody brings up superheroes, Travis gets this blank look on his face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not really great with him either. But I mean, he just—it's so it's funny. Really
2: stupid story is that you know when we, when I was younger, that was they were like you know when you're playing with your friends, that was you know you always wanted to be a certain superhero because you watch your Saturday cartoons or whatever. And I always thought my my neighbor and I that we wanted to be the Wonder Twins because we could turn into a whole bunch of different things. And you know, you, so they're shapeshifters. Well, maybe kind of. They can turn into different things, you know, and use their powers. Um, like they could turn into a car? Well, I don't know. In the cartoon, they wouldn't have turned into a car, but I suppose they could have. They, they, they could turn into just about anything. So, Interesting. So, but yes, I, they were shapeshifters. Yes, sh- yes. I maybe don't know that term as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Of,
1: <laughs> yeah. of a sort, yeah. yeah. Yep. I I don't remember them very well. I do remember them. I was more of a Thundercats guy, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. The, you're talking about like, cartoons. I was yeah. that was my thing. Every every afternoon, I'd run home after getting off school bus so I could see Thunder, Thunder, yeah. Thunder. <laughs> I could <can> see it. <laughs> I could see that, too.
2: That's awesome. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Well, the Wonder Twins were also dressed in these purple outfits. You know, that you know, in the early '80s was pretty cool. You know, purple outfits was a kind of a neat thing. So. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's kind of cool, man. That's kind of cool. I think we should ask him the other one too, man. Go he's for he's it. got good answers. If you could have a dinner party with any three people alive or dead, who would they be?
2: Um, I would uh, have dinner with Winston Churchill. Yes. Walter Payton, who running I'm, back. Uh, yep, running back. I'm you know, a Sh- uh, Chicago Bear fan, and he was my my idol. And then um, the third would be Bob Marley. Um, (laughs) I would just love to just have dinner
1: with him. I would love to see the look on Winston Churchill's face when Bob Marley started talking. (laughs) Exactly.
2: You know, and I think in a lot of ways, just the way they talk and, you know, just their poetic, you know, ways that they communicate, I think it would be an awesome
1: conversation between the two of them. I think it would be fantastic. One would
2: have um, a certain kind of cigar, and then the other one would actually have a cigar, right? <laughs> so. <laughs> Winston Churchill,
1: that guy was a character, man. Oh, yeah. Did you see the, the Crown, that TV show on Netflix? I haven't seen it yet, but I just watched The Darkest Hour not too mm-hmm. long ago.
2: Oh goodness it's it's absolutely fantastic the
1: guy the guy that plays winston churchill on that series the crown Mm -hmm. is just fantastic yeah i i absolutely love the character that he portrayed you know and that speech that he made we'll fight across the field we'll fight across you know Mm -hmm. just just yep
2: across the seas and on the beaches yeah yeah
1: just fantastic i at one point in at one point in my life i had most of that speech memorized (laughs) i i don't know i was a nerdy little kid yeah yeah. (laughs) now i'm a nerdy old guy so (laughs) (laughs) i could see it all over your face there's
2: nothing wrong with being a nerdy old no there's nothing (laughs) absolutely not but no i i winston churchill to me is just he's just that um he's almost like that that enigma he's just uh you know you think about history and and i i oftentimes think back we did not talk about him enough partly because of his departure. He departed in such a unique way from, you know, from Parliament when they when they kind of removed, well, they didn't remove him, but when he left after the war. Um, but, man, I just wish we had more quotes and more stories. And, and there's a lot out there already, but, man, um, what a unique individual.
1: Do you so happen to pick up some of the books he's written? I haven't. He's got a book called The History of the World. Not surprising. It's, it's about 10... It's like a encyclopedias, and it's it. I haven't read it all yet, but I got it as a gift a few years ago, mm-hmm. and I have. It's it's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, he just literally starts at the beginning, like it was a rock, right? <laughs> and then and he goes through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't surprise me. It's very very thorough, mm-hmm. um, and you being the. You be in the history buff? Do you listen to podcasts at all?
2: I do, and it, and it's funny asking with regards to history. I have not done a lot in that you know in that on uh, various historical topics, and and I don't know why.
1: Well, I just but, wanted to make a recommendation for you, man. Yeah. There's one called the British History Podcast out okay. there. The host is Jamie Jeffers. Maybe you can mention our podcast, Jamie. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm sure somebody—I'm sure somebody will bring this to you.
0: <laughs> Maybe I'll have to reach out to him and get him on the show. Yeah. Oh, oh. I mean that may happen. You know, we could zoom him in. Oh that my God, that would be amazing. Yes. Um, the guy, like that.
1: The guy's Jamie Jeffers. He was a college professor or some such, and now he's doing this podcast full time. He started at the beginning with the dinosaurs and stuff running around, and he's gone through year by year by year by year of the history of Britain. Hmm. Right? And it's so in depth, but it's not boring. Yeah. I I love the way he phrases stuff and sure. it's it's so entertaining to yeah. listen to. Yeah. He's got like four hundred and some episodes out there. He's made it up to like the Norman invasion is the last one I listened to. Um he went all through the Vikings and the Romans and the Britons before that. I mean I realize I realize that we are in America, and most of us don't really care a whole lot about the history of Britain. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, it's you know civilization all came through there. you mm-hmm. know what I mean everything, mm-hmm. the Romans, the mm-hmm. Franks, and you yeah. know the whole thing came through there. their history is our history. it is mm-hmm. it is yeah. so it's it's really interesting, and I love the way he does it and i I could listen to that for days. My yeah. wife thinks it's the most boring thing on the planet, well, but. but if
2: he's telling good stories right i mean if he's if he's telling it not just for you mm. know times and events but he's telling stories that yes. help enhance you know yes. make it interesting yeah, and it's just cool.
1: i don't I don't mean to go on and on plugging his podcast on our <laughs> podcast, but i just <laughs> I just enjoy it, and you being the history guy that you are, I thought maybe you might enjoy yeah, it as no, well. I appreciate that
2: that sounds awesome,
0: and this podcast isn't uh unlimited out there like it doesn't go on forever so when you're done listening to this go check it out yeah yeah but make sure you
2: listen to this first yeah
1: and <laughs> always I think it should be unlimited everybody wants to hear my voice 24 <laughs> hours a day
2: <laughs> uh. Uh, yes.
1: yes. I don't know if we got anything else, Travis. I think or we're good. Thanks for being here, Gino. Gino. Absolutely. Thank you guys. Yeah. It's been great. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Keeping It Rail. Keep the shiny side up, keep the dirty side down. Be safe out there, you guys. Until next time.